This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. This is our uh, In Between Footnotes episode, Literary Briefs. We have me, your host, Erica Lance. And Austin Scott Collins. Who's the other host. And with us today is Valerie Willis, who, for those of you that didn't listen to last week's podcast, because, quite frankly, you're a bunch of losers, but had you done that... It's true. It's true. You know it. Yeah. We're judging you from over here. (laughs) But had you known that... um, uh, No, words, we drink a lot before this footnotes episode. Um, Valerie has lost her voice, so she's a very sexy version of Kathleen Turner, and unlike the previous episode, um, I took away all the grapes she was eating, so more than likely she won't choke in this episode like the last one, but we can see where it goes. Yeah, but there's still some raspiness, so this is going to be fun. It is. (laughs) Nervous heat. (laughs) So. Don't we all? Valerie. Oh, boy. We're going to do our sexy whispers, Austin. Yes, Valerie. It's a whole collection of whispering. We're going to ask you questions, and you're going to answer them. I'm concerned. <laughs> you should be. Um, what is your favorite book? Ooh. Skin by Robin McKinley. Why? Um, because it really shook me hard. The first chapter, her dad uh, basically is, attempts to rape her. All this crazy sh- stuff happens. You can say shit on this podcast. Okay. It's an adult crazy podcast. Crazy sh- shit happens. If I can, my voice will even let me. <laughs> and um, I was in ninth grade, so it was that it broke me out of my prudeness a little bit. Because I'm like, can they write this in a book? <laughs> um, and I kept reading, and it was a story of a girl who no longer can speak, ironically. Uh, for coming. <laughs> is it just your favorite book today? Or is it your favorite <laughs> If you go on my website, I talk about the book. Um, that she, despite everything, she still finds her own way in life and overcomes everything, even when her past comes back to haunt her. What is your least favorite book? My last say Twilight by Stephanie Myers because I was so angry at that You can book. say whatever you want. No one is policing this. Yeah. I was so angry about that book. Why were that, you angry? That Because in mythology, that's a fairy. Fairies steal souls and blood and shine and sparkle. So because she mixed vampires and fairies, she just, it was written off in your book. Right. And so I then sat down and wrote Cedric. <laughs> Was, he wrote Cedric in protest to Twilight? <laughs> this is revenge literature, folks. <laughs> Just in case, okay, for all authors out there, you want to get, get back at somebody who's pushed you off in a literary way, apparently fucking outright their book. Yeah, hey, it won, it won fiction, apparently. It won bronze in fiction mythology in 2018. So, take that. <laughs> I think Stephanie Myers is listening right now going, well, damn, yeah. I need to do a rewrite. Yeah, she and E.O. James are like, man, Eric is so mean to me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Eventually I'll get a, a, some sort of... I said E.O. Myers, didn't I? I meant E.O. James. E, no, you said E.L. James. Okay, Did I'm, you I'm, think I'm, like, e. I'm, Myers? I'm hybridizing authors in my mind. <coughs> oh, that sounds... What are, you, what are they doing in your mind? All kinds of things you can't even imagine. That is, That's true. That's mm-hmm. almost the my level. That... We can't... No, sweetie, I think he's at a whole different level than you are. I've been voice twice. 
It's like a tesseract of literary it, thought. Yeah. <gasps> well, that went to whole places. So, do you ever get writer's block? All the time. And it's not normal writer's block. <laughs> because it's... it's uh, I've been writing for like an hour. So I'm going to take a shower. And I'm listening to music. And I'm like, oh, that would make a cool story. <laughs> and they come out half-dressed. And the kids are yelling at me. And I'm like, wait... I have to record this scene. <laughs> I didn't realize I'm writing two hours in the wrong story. I, therefore, I declare it writer's block. I, I, don't, I don't know if that counts. Can we? Uh, I think me and Austin are going to take a vote. Does yeah. that count? I think that's more like writer's dislocation. Yes. Like, like it's no. like a dysentery for writers. If yeah. I get really sick, like I've been. Writer's negative transference. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Transposing of writerness. Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, whenever I get sick like this, I don't get out of bed or anything, so... But you got out of bed for us, and we appreciate I that. Did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Okay, so what is your favorite part about writing? Oh, sharing it with the readers and seeing their reactions. Because my favorite part is when I get that angry review. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, I totally hated that the character did this or this happened. And I'm like, that's right. I wanted you to hate that. <laughs> it's sort of this weird satisfaction. Uh, they're like, he's so mean. I can't finish the book. I'm like, that's right, because he's an anti-hero. He's supposed to be mean. Wow, you're a really vengeful torture readers. You don't normally have that, I think. I love my readers. Don't okay. get me wrong. <laughs> so I, I want to ask two related questions. So question part number one. What do you feel like you do really well as an author? Dialogue. Yeah? I've never struggled with dialogue, and I get the most compliments on it. Because it's story driving, Mm -hmm. and there's always action happening at the same time, so it doesn't lose the pacing. Um, And also my character's banter can come off humorous or clever a lot of times. And it's not really me... It's just me trying to keep up with what <laughs> craziness is going on in my head. <laughs> so you're not clever or witty? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so part two. What do you struggle with? What What is hard for you as a writer? Sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm constantly looking over my shoulder and second-guessing. I'm like, is that going to read okay? <laughs> like, does he just still have two arms? I didn't add another <laughs> arm in <laughs> Is that something that happens sometimes? Like an extra limb just gets dropped into the story? Right, yes. Uh, it happens in fight scenes, too. Or perhaps but, a prehensile tail, a tentacle. Or, or I'm like, wait, they're in the car. Can he even bend her over that way? <laughs> Honey, we need to go to the car. I got an experiment. So there's a lot of geometry and logistics involved here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> do you ever use your real life as a model when you're trying to do scenes like that? I said that, by the way, just because she's so bright red right now. Mm-hmm. This is great. I mean, seriously, I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone this embarrassed. I mean, <laughs> pleasure is pleasure, right? <laughs> that doesn't answer the question at yeah, all. That was a tautology that I think really okay. was just diverting away from the underlying there, issue. There, there are nuances that make it in there. Um, most of them should be credited to the husband. <laughs> For the weirdest shit he will say. <laughs> <laughs> he added to the dialogue. Um, 
I actually have a scene where where the character says to the female character, I don't, don't, don't give her the fruit. Don't give her the fruit. Keep the, the fruit the away from her. The producer was going to give her the fruit. We know what's going to happen. Okay. He goes, I think somebody forgot their underwear. <laughs> No, hang on, hang on. Say it again, Val, but sexy. <laughs> Do you think somebody... He thought somebody at work forgot their underwear? Okay, take a deep breath. Deep breath. Okay, deep breath and say it one more time. In, in the, it's in the book. Okay, so she's gesturing. I think I got it. She's actually playing charades with she us is. right now. In it's like Ro- two words, two syllables. Roma Santa, word. which is book two of the Cedric series, apparently somebody says... I think they forgot their underwear today. <laughs> I don't. I actually don't even need to continue this. I don't think we can top this by what actually happened. But I think you should. If if you don't know, you should get to book two so you can find out who or what forgot their underwear that day. <laughs> underwear was forgotten. That's the important thing. <laughs> okay. Next question. So Val can survive this podcast. Yes. What is your um? What is your goal with writing? Like, what what would you love to, if you could, um, would you be a full-time writer? Absolutely. Um, I want to be what they're now calling as the hybrid author. So I like the idea that Cedric, even though it wins awards, it's self-published. Because I want all the control. There's certain things I want to do with it that they're not going to let me do at a publisher or through an agent. But... I also have books like um, My Male Male Romance, Prince's Priest. I want to see that be championed under a publisher or um, an agent because the level of my writing and storytelling for that is intended for that type of market to compete on that high triple title shelf. Um, So at the end of the day, I'd like to be able to have books in both sides of the industry and just sit back and enjoy writing for both. Very cool. Do you, um, I, I guess the question would be when you, you meet a lot of authors and stuff like that, what words of advice would you give a, a, a fledgling young author as they're starting? Don't edit. Just get the story out first. The hardest thing is getting your first story on paper. Um, For instance, I discussed a minute ago, or in the last podcast, that it took 12 years to write Rebirth. Roma Santa has double the word count, and I buckled down on that concept of get the story out first, and it only took me 75 days. So... What was the word count? um, I think Rebirth... Was 56k when I did the first draft, and Roma Sandra was 82,000 words, so it was almost double. You did 82,000 words in 75 days. Yes, because I didn't, I, I did, I would not allow myself to double back and change anything. I just got the story out of my system, because it's really the the revisions, and then the editing after that that really polishes that story and prep it properly. But you can't have the capacity to revise and edit without emptying your head of the story first, is the concept. Very cool. What would you um, say is the worst (coughs) thing you see authors do? 
I have seen them get hung up over mistakes because they're trying to write the first draft. They try to edit or they try to reread where they left off because they shelved it too long. So one of the, I guess it's a two-part. One, don't let it sit and collect dust for too long or you'll trip yourself up and you have to start over again. Two, if you made mistakes, just highlight them. Make a note for yourself. Come back to it after you finish getting your story out of you. Because what you highlight now may not be the biggest mistake that you actually made. The mistake could be before or after that, and you have no idea until you see what comes down at the end of the story. That makes sense. Do you have a lot of stories that you don't end up completing? I have what I call back burner uh, carrot treat projects. Like, I, I write notes and maybe the first chapter, and I'm not allowed to touch it until I finish the other book first. <laughs> I got it writing. I mean, she's, she's cheating on herself writing. Yeah. Right, exactly. So how many projects would you say you have sort of lurking in the mists of your mind that you know you're going to write someday, right? Let's do them in order that they should be written. I've got Sleeping Sasquatch. <laughs> Best so, title ever, by the way. Sleeping Sasquatch is uh, um, under a different writing name, though. That's Honey Cummings. Um, I have a ghost writing contract. And then I have a grim fairy tale story that I need to write, a novella. Then I have book four and five of Cedric that are halfway done. I have Prince's Priest that I'm still kind of messing with. Um, I have Arlington Paradox, which is a sci-fi romance idea. And then I have four other books planned for Prince's Priest. That are already plotted out, <laughs> um, not including the other seven books of Cedric. <laughs> <laughs> the list goes on and on. I'm terrible. Yeah. Does this sound familiar to you, by the way? Yeah, no, it totally. Yeah. This is like a kind of universal author experience. Yes, right? it's a universal author. But I will say, I think, you know, for me and you, we've got a lot, and um, as we discussed on previous podcasts, me and Austin have written together. But I think, in true honesty, like wow. Wow, like that is, you know, it's one thing to keep notes, but that is, it's it's almost like, how do you tackle all of that? Right. One at a time. One at a time, right? One at a time. I'm not, I'm not allowed to work on one until I finish the other one. <laughs> and that's why I keep telling myself. What keeps you inspired to keep writing? Um, I try to simplify it. It's also a stress reliever. So when life gets heavy, like we discussed, like, I got cancer in my leg on top of everything else going on. And the first thing I thought was I want to write again because it's a stress reliever. Um, so I try to promise myself like 10 minutes a day, which is about 300 words, to write something. If I'm not feeling that one story today, at least open one of the other ones and add to it. Just keep the momentum going. That's very cool. Um, how many words per day can you write if you're really buttoning down to do it? Um, if I'm buttoned down to do it, five to seventy-five hundred, five thousand to seven thousand, roughly. Wow. And uh, where's your favorite place to write? Ooh. 
Right now, uh, I really enjoy going to Zanzibar's Cafe on Sunday mornings. They have a blackberry mocha iced latte <laughs> that I'm a sucker for. It's all about the beverages. You know, it, I, I think yeah. it is the beverages and then the environment. And they also have a vanilla lavender latte that I like. But it's also decorated in authentic uh, African tribes artwork and stuff. So, and it's right in my neighborhood. So if the car ever broke down, I could still walk there. <laughs> so it's a tenacious place to meet. Very cool. Um, is there, what is your, like, favorite, is your favorite genre paranormal romance to read as well? More like fantasy romance. I like paranormal aspects, mythology. Um, but I've noticed some of my favorite books are more on par with fantasy romance. So, um, favorite mailman romance would be Captive Prince Trilogy, which is exactly that, a fantasy romance. Um, same thing with The Blue Sword or Dear Skin and Robin McKinley's work. Those are fantasy romances. They focus hard on the magic, the sword, and sorcery aspects. But there's always that underlying subplot <clears throat> subplot of a romance. And I kind of like the two together because it adds depth um, to the character arcs, in my opinion. Is there? Are you um, a sucker for a happy ending? Do you need the book to have a happy ending? Actually, no. I don't need that happy ending. But I do know because I label myself a romance writer, I'm obligated to at least have a happy for now. So my MO is they're happy for now, but there's this dark cloud in the distance. So how do you um, choose a book? Ooh. I usually read the first chapter. I am, a, I am notorious. All right, I look at the cover, I look at the author, I kind of glance at the reviews. Um, I actually will skip to the one-star reviews and see what they complained about to see if it's something I'm okay with. <laughs> um, but usually it's the deciding factor is when I do that sample or open the book at the bookstore. And I look at the first chapter. And as a reader, I didn't understand the significance behind that. But now as a writer, that's where we have to put the most work. That first chapter has to be perfect because it explains and hooks the reader for the rest of the book. So reading the first chapter is usually my deciding factor. What will cause you to put a book down? Really bad pacing. Um, if the sentence and the pacing, especially in dialogue, is all over the place, I just can't. I can't finish it. It's too hard because I can't fall into it because I'm too busy going into editing mode now. To, I'm like, oh, they could have just finagled it this way and it would have been perfect. So, What is your feeling on reviews? I think rapid they're... fire questioning here. Do you see that? Yeah. I'm impressed with myself. I'm a little drunk. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I love reviews. My... Um, they tell me a lot about how the reader's responding when it comes to my work in particular. Like I was saying earlier, like when I get a lower review, now, now you have my attention more so than the five star. Because I want to see what turned you off. Was there something I missed? Or the editor missed? Um, or was there just something about what I intended the story to be like that turned you off? Because of my one star reviews 
Earl One Star because it's something I wanted in my story, then I did my job as a writer because that that gives me um, agency for what I've done. All right. I respect that One Star review. You didn't like that about Cedric. You weren't supposed to like it. And if that's not the character you want to experience the next 300 pages with, I understand. So... Do you almost feel like it's a badge of honor to get those one-star reviews? As an author, I considered it a badge of honor when I got my first one-star review. You don't really... I don't think your five stars feel legit until there's a one-star to back and oppose them. <laughs> so, like, it's... It You're feels No one like, really loves it unless someone hates, hates it, right? It. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it, it gives you, like, a contrast... Because, um, especially when you're first starting out, and most of the people leaving reviews is your friends and family, you're like, oh, are they just saying that because they don't want to hurt my feelings? <laughs> and there's always that question in the back of your mind. So when you do get a one-star or a lower review, it feels more legitimized. Now, what kind of stuff do you read that is not in genre? Ooh. that contributes to the richness of your work? Uh, I really enjoyed recently reading Madeline Miller's uh, The Song of Achilles, which is more of a mythology fiction in a stronger sense, sense than what I write. Um, I also tend to have a soft spot for historical fiction. Mm. So uh, James Clavell was like my first love, that whole visiting Japan, the Taipan, the Gaijin... I love those books, and they were so historically accurate that I would dive into the research alongside reading. Um, so a lot of those carry over into my work a little bit, um, even though I don't write in those genres specifically. Well, we have to. Um, we have the last couple of minutes of this rapid-fire question. So, Val, your audience is listening. What do you want to tell them? Keep reading. Happy reading. Happy writing if you aspire to be writers. You're never too old, never too young. Just do it. Only you can do it. Awesome. So where can the listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Amazon.com under Valerie Willis. You can also find me at WillisAuthor.com. And that's W-I-L-L-I-S-A-U-T-H-O-R.com. I love with the crackling voice and the spelling. Once again, this is Drinking with Authors. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Drinking with Authors. Our amazing producer, Adam Haney, made that possible so our drunk selves could remember what to say. <laughs> so this is uh, Erica Lance and Austin Collins saying keep reading.